This is episode number 129 of the Rising Man podcast with Dylan McGaster. Set sail into the unknown in order to discover who you are. Blessings and good rising to you, family. Jetty Azuma here, bringing you another episode of the Rising Man podcast. If this is your first time here, then let me reintroduce myself. And for those of you who are back, let me reintroduce myself. I'm the host of this podcast and the founder of the Rising Man movement. And our mission here is to initiate an entire generation of men. It's a huge mission, but this is what we're calling in men from all over the world to participate in because we can't do it alone. And to be the best men that we can possibly be is how we can leave the greatest impact on humanity. So my invitation is for you to take the next leap in to the rising man space, to become a bigger part of this movement we've got going on. Whether it's joining our virtual men's fire circles or participating in our next compass initiation, all that information, you can get it at risingman.org. Just go figure out what that next leap would be for you to lean deeper into what we're talking about here with Rising Man. Okay, my guest for today is Dylan McGaster. Dylan started his YouTube channel at the age of 21 with only $1,000 in the bank. He backpacked for six months, converted a van, and lived in it for close to two years. After that, he decided to move to the Mediterranean and buy a sailboat with only seven days of sailing experience with two strangers he'd met through the internet. Talk about an adventure. And now he sailed over 6,000 nautical miles, living aboard his sailboat for almost two years. Dylan went into $17,000 in credit card debt when he first started his YouTube channel, but now his company, Florb, has grown into a full-fledged successful production company supporting a full-time team of three. In this episode, we discuss learning to become a man by venturing into the unknown, how bold choices and challenges shape us to endure a difficult life, why Dylan decided to buy a sailboat and set sail around the world after only one week of sailing experience. We discussed the importance for every man to step out from under the safety and comforts of the known and familiar in order to see what he's made of and to find his purpose. And last but not least, what Dylan's learned about manhood by grappling with the high seas. Without further ado, Dylan McGaster. Rising Man family, got another amazing man here on the show today, Dylan McGaster, tuning in from Tunisia, which for those of you, I just found out where Tunisia is, somewhere in northeastern Africa, is that what you said? Yeah, it's just east of Algeria and just west of Libya, um, and for people familiar with Europe, it's just southwest of Italy on the other side of the sea, on the other side of the Mediterranean. Okay. There we go. A geography lesson to go along with having you here today, man. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. it. And for those of you guys who don't know Dylan or his journey, we're going to find out more about it. And obviously, I spoke a little bit about it in the intro, but you've been on quite the adventure for the past couple of years, from what I understand. You want to give us a brief overview of what that's looked like? Yeah, definitely. So I've been full-time traveling for coming up on four and a half years now. And then before I started that, I was doing off and on traveling for about a year. But I started with backpacking in South America. I did three months in South America and then flew back to New York City. Some stuff, I flew back there for a job opportunity that all fell through. And then I went up to Massachusetts and worked on a fishing boat. And then from Massachusetts, went to Maine and bought a van and then traveled around 
the northeast for like a month in the van then drove the van back to kansas city where i'm from and then in a month converted the inside of the van gutted it built a micro home and then headed west and did a whole tour of the west coast up into canada all the way down to cabo san lucas and baja mexico all while filming for my youtube channel and then and then after that after almost two years of living in a van i flew to florida took a five-day sailing course and then went to barcelona and bought a sailboat and now i've been living on a sailboat sailing the mediterranean for just over two years. May 6th was my two-year anniversary. Wow, man. How long was that certification course for sailing? Yeah, five days. Five days. <laughs> Did you learn everything you needed to know in five days to I mean, embark I'm on that kind of here, So it, it worked <laughs> out. Um, I've had my fair share of expensive lessons, but it's worked out. And yeah. I mean, personally for me, I wouldn't do it any other way. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that people buy a boat after five days experience, but I also might think that is like kind of the best way to do it. But it, you know, it just depends on each person's constitution. It worked for yeah. me but it's not yeah. exactly what I would recommend people. And that's more of reliability on my, my side than... <laughs> of course, yeah. Not, no, we're obviously, we're not, we're not advocating that you go ahead and do that, yeah. but it can be done. Yeah. That, that's amazing, man. So you said almost four and a half years you've been a full-time traveler. And how old are you right now? I'm 25. So I turn 25. 26 in July. Okay, so you're this is like 21 years old. You're embarking on this journey and, yeah. and just have been nonstop since then. Let me ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on the show first, and then I've got so many things I want to ask you just based on the intro you gave. Sounds good. For you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Oh, I, yeah, I think it's probably first thing that comes to mind. I don't know if I've actually thought real specifically about that question, but first thing that comes to mind is it probably has to do with some level of responsibility. A boy is a dependent and a man is an independent. And in this state of the world that we live in, we're all dependent to some degree on society which is understandable and kind of unavoidable i think you know unless you're like out in alaska just living off the wilderness but i think it probably has to do with a degree of how much responsibility do you take for yourself and then for other people around you as well mm. Yeah, that's cool, man. Especially since you haven't really thought too much about that question that, by what you said. That's that's usually where a lot of guys come to. the Because I ask everybody that question on the show. And I would say at least 75% of the time, that's the primary response is it has to do with responsibility and being able to take responsibility for yourself and your actions and your circumstances, which that's not what we do as boys, right? We're, right. we're, we let it, someone else take care of all that for us. And then at some point in our lives, we have to take that massive leap and make that 180 degree turn where we start taking responsibility for ourselves. And you had a very unique way of doing that. It yeah. seems to, <laughs> to embark on this journey. What, what was the, what was the impetus for the travel in the beginning? Well, I was first exposed to travel, like growing up, we did a, not an insane amount of travel growing up, but a decent amount for a middle-class family in America. And so that was kind of like my initial exposure to it. And then basically being raised alongside the internet and seeing the expanse of the world, the earth that we all live on, I, there was something in me that was just like, I got to see that. I, I, I got to. And so th that was kind of like the initial interest of like, not necessarily being real stoked on the 
know, traditional American life, I guess, that what culture pushes and then like needing adventure and all of those things kind of led me to do it. And then the actual like turnkey point was I had moved back in with my dad and I was working for him just doing carpentry and home remodeling. And I was really not enjoying my life. And I was like starting to enter into a depressive state and I could see it was like, okay, if I keep up this lifestyle, like for long enough period of time, 10 years, something like that, it's like, I would kill myself. Like it just was so not fulfilling for me. And so it was like, I need to make a change. And so it only took me about a month really to realize that luckily, but it was just like, yeah, this is not going to work for me long term. Let me pause you there for a moment, because what you just said, I find to be really profound, that at that age, you identified that if you continue doing what you were doing, that it was only going to lead you down a dark road. Had you had you seen other people go there before? Because one of the reasons, one of the big things we address on this show is male depression. You know, yeah. we know that we know we've spoken about the suicide rates for men, how we just it's eight out of 10 suicides are are men and the the risks or the rates of depression and anxiety amongst men and, su- and suicide among men is just extraordinary. It's crazy. So to, to be able to see that at that age and identify that's where you were going, what, what, what allowed you to do that? What, what helped you see that? I don't know exactly what it is that allowed me to observe that, but I've, yeah, I, I don't really know why I was able to like, look at that. I don't know if it has to do with, most of my life I've kind of felt like I'm behind, like I got to catch up and like, you know, that's been a driving factor in me and what has allowed me to be like relatively ambitious and get things done, which I'm very thankful for, but it might've been like part, whatever that feeling is. I don't know if that's the, like being exposed to the internet and seeing everything else that's possible that like puts that in me or whatnot. But it might have been that and then like forcing myself to, I don't know, like I, I've always had, I guess, ambition to some degree. And it was like this that I'm doing is not, it's, it's not going to get me where I want to go. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I was more aware and cognizant at that age than some people, but well, I imagine that at that age, you also don't have many ties to anything, right? I mean, right. as far as responsibility goes, you really were just responsible for, for yourself at that point, right? Yeah, pretty much. At the time, it was just me and my dad living at, at the house that I grew up in. So both mm-hmm. my siblings had gone off to college and my mother had moved out. And so I don't, you know, neither of us were in a particularly great state. Yeah, it was just, there was something in me that was like, dude, you can do better than this. Like, come on, mm. like, get it together. Thing. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the, that's exactly the thing, man, is that what you're describing, I think a lot of guys can relate to, whether they're, you know, 20, 20 years old or, or 35 years old. There's that, if you're not living a life of purpose, a life that is fulfilling and joyful, then you know it, you know what that feeling is. Right. It's, it's hard to describe, but it's like an, it's like an emptiness. And at that age, I imagine it's it's a little bit easier in some respects to just go off on an adventure because what do you have to lose? Yeah, and I, I the, mean, I was also listening to, I mean, a big influence was people like Tim Ferriss. Mm. And I think the guy that probably led me to 
Tim, I think my first introduction to Tim Ferriss was Jason Moore from Zero to Travel, his podcast. I think he was my first introduction to the four hour work week. And then I started listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast and he was going, you know, just explaining different perspectives and whatnot. And like, you know, he's like dissecting these elite performers and whatnot. And it's like, oh, wow, they're you know, I don't know anybody around me in my life that is even remotely performing like these people. Like they're just mm-hmm. on a different level than anybody I know. And so, but it was like, I, I think I can do something like that. I don't know what it is to what degree, but like, I feel like that's what I want to aim at. I, and, you know, I'd heard all the things of like, you, you are the sum of your five closest friends, all that kind of stuff. I was like, I need to figure out how to get with people like that so that I can make sure I'm actually reaching my potential, whatever that means. And so I guess the way that I did that for me was digitally and like use these online mentors and books and podcasts to like, you know, surround my psychological state to hopefully average it out to something. So, so that I think that probably helped a lot was like having mentors that I looked up to and then listening to how they were describing how they go about being successful and what they've done in in their life to get there. I I think that Mm. was probably helpful too. And and, you know, the the answer was never, oh, I sat at home and drank and watched stand-up comedy. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's that's an obvious one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you strike me as a guy who's a go-getter and when you decide something that you want, which, which may not be the norm, may not be the average, but certainly everybody's capable of that. Right. I, I mean, obviously, there's certain character and quality traits that have allowed you to embark on the journey that you have, and at the same time, you're, you're human just like the rest of us. So it's it's not it's not an insurmountable obstacle to get off that couch and really start doing something you want to do. Definitely. I, I really like what you said about because that's that's I think that's where most of us get our start is by witnessing and observing other people and their greatness and drawing inspiration from that gathering some of the tools and the skills that you can that you can just by witnessing and watching and YouTubing and podcasting and listening to other people's experiences. But at some point in my belief you got to take that to another to another level. Right. So it, whether it's just getting in the mix or or like you said literally surrounding yourself with people. So what what was that next level for you after you had been immersing yourself in that world? Yeah, so I mean for me the progress was based <laughs> basically destroyed my whole mental concepts of the world <laughs> and, and rebuild it of like, I was raised in fundamental, fundamental Christianity. And so then I started questioning that and had to shatter that and then rebuild, which that was very difficult. And I did that kind of while I was traveling, like that whole process of like degrading that rigid structure that I'd been looking at the world through Mm. that was very, it was a very insecure and unstable structure, but that's what I was like holding on to. as that started shaking crumbles kind of when I started my, my travel journey. So, you know, to some degree as a romantic, I like to think that, you know, people are kind of in life in a similar place to where they are psychologically. I know that doesn't always work out, but looking back on my own life, I I can kind of see how my mental state was manifesting in the way I was operating through the world, Mm. which to some degree is true with people. I think about like Mm. Jim Carrey, he he, he talked once about how uh, he looks back at the movies that he's made and each movie like perfectly explained 
his his state in in life that's mm-hmm. that's what he was saying like the truman show was like dead on with where he was mentally and psychologically at that point in his life and, and so for me that like leaving where i grew up going to a foreign land going to a place that i know nothing about i don't speak you know i hardly speak the language just a little bit and then figuring out how to travel and do all this stuff by myself pretty much perfectly aligned with where i was going mentally as well of like i'm in this it was like leave kansas leave christianity basically it didn't have exactly like that but it was similar yeah yeah that's a journey i could really relate to i had a similar journey and when i was uh, 25 years old i left new york city where i was working and went to the west coast and traveled for four months on the road just with a backpack and an african djembe my my drum that i carried with me at the time just you know road road hippie style and one of the most amazing things about that was going to a place that I didn't know and surrounding myself with people who didn't knew me. It taught me a lot about myself Yeah. because, well, let me just ask you the question. What did you learn about yourself by being in a foreign place with people who knew nothing about you? Well, there's a lot of freedom that you get with that because you go like, oh, wow, I could really, you know, if I wanted to, I could just lie to these people and they would have no idea. Like you could just make up who you wanted to be if you wanted to, which is really freeing in a sense because you don't have to like deal with all the garbage and baggage that you've grown up with that everybody you know if you if you're around people that have been around you for 25 years or whatever and then you're like i'm gonna make a significant change in my life it's like so much harder because they're used to you acting in a certain way but if you're around people that nobody knows you it's like they don't even know that you've made a significant change so it's just who you are to them and so it's it's super it's a lot easier to make a significant change if you want to but one of the very first things I learned about myself was like, I was confronted with my, I guess, laziness is what you would Mm -hmm. call it. Like, because I I was, I was in Paraguay and it was like, I don't know if it was laziness or lack of organization or just lack of forethought and planning that I was actually confronted with. But I I was, you know, in this hotel or hostel and I was editing, um, making videos and it was like, Oh, if, if I want to do something tomorrow, I have to plan it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't have anybody with me that's going to plan my day for me. Or that's, you know, it's like, if I want to make a video, I need to plan the video, plan what I'm going to do, go do it all and then edit it and then post it type of thing. It's like, it was, if I don't plan, then I'm going to sit here and not do anything. And mm-hmm. nobody likes to like, you know, everybody's always happier with themselves whenever they're productive to whatever degree that is, even if that's exercising and playing and having fun, like that's productive. But but nobody's really happy with themselves when they wanted to do something or that's like, you know, I want to get to this, I want to get this done today. And then they don't do it because they just sat around. Like nobody's happy with right. themselves when that happens. And so I, uh, with, with traveling, that was very apparent. It's like, oh, I want to go down to the, you know, I want to go down into South America. I want to go down into Argentina, into Chile. I got to plan that. You know, I, nobody's planning it <laughs> for me. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, if I want to go there, I got to figure it out. And so, and so that was actually like a pretty big shock to me. It, it seems so obvious now, but at the right. time it was like, well, I got to like, do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There used to be somebody who did all that for me. What happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because if you're yeah. like working a job or whatever, if you've got some sort of daily routine, then your routine guides you through life and you don't have to think about it. But as soon right. as you're put in a foreign location in a foreign circumstance, then you got to figure all that out by yourself. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's what I could really relate to is being in a place where nobody knew me and nobody was going to just, there were plenty of people who wanted to help me once I let them know what I needed help with or what my situation was, but nobody was going to do the, the planning of my life and the organization of my life for me. I really had to do that myself. And I'd already begun to do that by the time I, I traveled West because I'd been, I'd, I'd finished school and I'd been working a little bit, but I really hadn't taken that on full steam. And so that was a huge threshold for me. I'm really fascinated by the thing you said about you could lie to everybody and make up a story about who you are because you, I could look at it from the flip side too. When you leave everyone who's ever known you and the place that you grew up in where you have a quote unquote reputation or history, how much of that is actually a lie about who you are? You know, how, how many things have we been told it. about ourselves, right? How much, how much of that do we need to, like you said, deconstruct and destroy and get rid of to really find out who we are? Well, there's a, there's a thing of like, yeah, you could just turn into a con man if you wanted to take the dark route of it. But then there's also the bright side of it, the light side, just like everything's got a light and a shadow. And the light side of that is you get to build who you want to be because that's the only way you actually get to be somebody or get get anywhere. Is like you got to build it and plan it to some degree. And then it evolves and you adjust course and all that kind of stuff as you go. But initially you have to actually construct it. It's like, you know, none of the greats of any kind stumbled into it. You know, it, mm -hmm. they, they all intentionally built who they wanted to become, whether that was how they started is a whole different question, whether they started with how they dress or whatever and mindset, like it doesn't matter. Everybody that is great that you know would be like generally classified as a great intentionally got there by by, by some way or another mm -hmm. yeah yeah by, by the choices that they make and uh, there's there's so much wisdom in that man thanks for sharing it it also makes me think about how honest that mirror is when you go to a new place it, mm -hmm. you could you could go the con man route but you can only disguise disguise it for so long eventually yeah. your true colors shine through and i find that complete strangers are actually better judges of character than people who know you because there's that rapport that's been built up with the people that you're close with especially family yeah but when i when i traveled and i met some people for the first time it was a very honest look at who i was and how i was showing up in the world mm -hmm. and it was a lot of times a lot of times it was very confronting because there were th there were beliefs i had about myself at that point in my life i had a very inflated opinion of who i was <laughs> and and who i thought i thought i was being and the road, the journey, and the people really reflected back to me exactly where I was. I wasn't right. an asshole underneath all of that, but I certainly wasn't on the pedestal that I imagined myself to be. Right. So yeah, man. That do you have any? Do any? Yeah. yeah do, do any stories come to mind of an encounter that you had that just kind of shook your coherence a bit? In relation to like how I view myself. Yeah, like what you learned. Maybe it was an encounter with somebody during your travels, or just an experience you had out on the water that revealed something to you that you didn't know about yourself previously i originally planned on being in south america for like two years i was planning on backpacking for like two years and then at about two months in more or less i thought there was a job opportunity that i thought there was like potential in new york city and so i flew back to new york city i like hurried up to Peru and then flew back to New York City to try to capitalize on this opportunity that ended up falling through. It didn't actually exist. And I found this out after I paid for a month's rent, of course. Um, so now I was like mm -hmm. flat broke in New York, which is like New York City is one of the worst places to be 
broke. <laughs> Much rather be in California broke. <laughs> and so, so, so then when I was in South America, I had met Kelsey and she worked on a, a fishing boat with her father in, in Massachusetts in Nantucket Sound or yeah, in the Cape Cod area. And she was, she was like, if you ever want to come and go fish, fishing, just let me know. And so, you know, I was at a pretty low point and didn't have any, yeah, any, any direction basically. And it was like, yeah, screw it. Like I'll just go up to and work on this fishing boat. Like I, I wasn't expecting to get paid. I was just like, that'll be a different experience that I've never done. And I'll make some videos about it and the videos will maybe be cool. And so I did that and they showed me like a lot of hospitality, which was really, really appreciated. Um, and they ended up paying me for the six days that I worked on the boat. And, and then they'd like, let me live in their house for a little bit until I bought the van and moved into the van, which was all very generous. And then I was up in Maine staying at Captain Mike's cabin. He had built a cabin up in Maine, off grid cabin. And that's, that's where I, I started. That was like the very first tiny house, tiny cabin tour video that I had filmed, which is now what has evolved into the main channel floor, which provides with income. And, and, and so that all started and spawned basically from Mike's cabin. And hmm. it's like, I don't know if it's a, a, a reflection on who I am or a reflection on like how existence works, but sometimes, you know, sometimes a mistake isn't a mistake. Like this is, this is one of the things that I've come to learn is like, sometimes you really can't mess up, but most of the time a mistake is just an expensive lesson of some kind mm. of some form or another, whether that's expensive monetarily or in time or physical pain or something like that. It's like, normally it's as long as you learn from it, you learn something from your mistake, then it's a lesson and it was worth going through and just don't do it again. Yeah. Moving to New York, leaving my plan, which really wasn't a plan just to be in South America for two years. There was no real plan to it, but then trying to capitalize on this opportunity and then it falling through, but then through that being able to like find direction. Yeah. When I was in New York, I was like really, really in a low spot, but it all, it all worked out for me in, in the end. And, and it's like, as, as long as you don't quit, then there's no, there's no such thing as failure because failure is just quitting. But as long as you're still in the game, you haven't failed yet. You just haven't made it yet. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know if the, I mean, I guess the reflection, like the lesson that I learned about myself was just like the, the ability to persist and keep on going. Because I think before that, I had made a commitment to myself that I was going to figure out how to make youtube be my career basically and in new york i was really like contemplating giving it up and trying something else but and i i'd done that a lot in my life like growing up like quitting things different sports and 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 the reason i quit a lot of those things were not necessarily because they were hard it was more just because they weren't necessarily what i wanted to do but i came to realize like no matter what it is that you're aiming for there's going to be a lot of difficulty. And so you can't just base it off of whether or not you're having fun. 
And so that, that was my like learning of like, what does it actually mean to commit to something and to like take yourself seriously and take your word seriously? It means that you don't give up and you just keep on doing it and it, or you die trying basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what a, a real commitment is. Right. Well, I, I love that, man. I definitely share the same thoughts and sentiment as you do. Everything you said about failure and mistakes being just expensive lessons is so profound. And the only way we learn that is by making those mistakes. I think yeah. one of the failures of our society is that our our culture doesn't really prepare us to understand and have a context of failure that, that supports us. There's so much emphasis on success, on perfection, on doing it right and getting doing getting things well done. Mm-hmm. And of course that can be a target, but it's not reality. Especially when you're out there in the in the world and, and the world is unforgiving. The world will smack you in the face and knock you down a peg just because you didn't have what it took. Mm-hmm. But that Nothing idea of not quitting of not <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it hits and it and it doesn't it's it's unre- it's unrelenting too if if we're not able to stand back up on our own two feet and going back to what you said before about noticing that road of depression and and suicide that you would have or could have gone down had you not made a change to me i think that you know obviously sensitive to where everyone's at that's really the ultimate quitting right is is giving up on life altogether mm-hmm. giving up on life you know Telling yourself that you don't have another option is, is the ultimate quitting. But as long as you have breath in your body and and you're upright and vertical, there's something that you can do. There's something to be done. Yeah. And if you, if you come to a point where you don't think there's another option, I just think you haven't thought hard enough yet. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, open your eyes or something like that. Yeah, I totally agree. I I, I have this French friend that I met in the Mediterranean, and him and I were talking one day about suicide basically and he was like hey, you know what got you through or i you know i asked him something like that or anyway he was like you know the thing that got me through was my dad told me never give up on love like love will bring you through type of thing and that's what got him through his darkest times and he's like what got you through and i was like i was like i was like you don't get to quit you don't get to quit mm-hmm. at this thing called life. Like you get to keep going. Like, and that was, and he was like, that is very American of you. <laughs> and I was like, that is very <laughs> French of you, man. <laughs> and, uh, but that, that's, that's what it was. It's like, I made a decision a long time ago that for me, suicide is not an option. It's just not. And so anytime thoughts come into my, my mind of like, well, maybe you should just end it type of, you know, crazy shit flies into your head sometimes. And mm-hmm. Like now it's just like, that's, that's an alarm. There's something, the way I'm operating in life, the way I've got it structured needs to change because it's like, warning, warning, warning. It's not going right. You're not liking this. But, but the difference is like whether or not you let those thoughts fester and then like explore down that route rather than using them as what they are. They're warning signs. It's like, listen, the way you're doing it is not working. So something needs to change. Mm-hmm. It, it, so yeah, it's like for me, I made a decision a long time ago. It's like that's not an option. So it's just not an option. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like that, man. I like that idea of taking taking those options that don't serve us, that don't actually support the life that we want, off the table, because then you can actually take a look around and see what else is there. We, the, all of these thoughts, I, I could really relate to what you said about thoughts because. So many thoughts run through my mind on a daily real basis. Crazy <laughs> a lot, of real crazy ones, real crazy, and that's why I had to. I had to finally accept that I'm not the product of my thoughts. Right. Uh, I'm the result of my actions. Thoughts that's they close. come and go, and we have all kinds of crazy ones. But what ultimately matters is what I do. 
And so to, to just let that go, to let that go, that those thoughts are just thoughts that, that come through. And, and I like that idea of thinking of it as an alarm, as an indicator of, okay, if that's where my mind is going, then something is not working right now. What do I need to do about it? And being in a, in a solution-oriented mindset, to me, that's very masculine. I think that's also part of really stepping into that responsibility of manhood is, yeah. okay, something ain't right here. You know, whether it's an internal problem or an external problem, like being on a boat and your sail won't fly or something's yeah. going on, you got to figure it out, right? No, no one's going to figure that out for you when you're in those positions. So let me actually use that as a segue. I, I want to hear a little bit more about what you've learned specifically about being a man on your journeys. Yeah. So, I mean, what you were just saying about having to find a solution, nobody's going to do it for you. That's, that's one of the main things that I think that is like the core of what makes somebody a man, like what is the core of being a man? It's like, you got to figure it out and solve the problem to some degree, whatever that is like. And that's one of the things I like about sailing is if you're out sailing and you're offshore, say close to shore is 50 miles in any direction. One mile, it's like 500 miles to shore. This direction is 50 miles. And, you know, it, whatever happens, you have to figure it out. I mean, I guess you could call the Coast Guard, but it's like, no, you're not calling the Coast Guard. You don't call the Coast Guard unless you're sinking. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if something breaks, you can't be like, hey, Coast Guard, can you come help me, please? Like, like it's a no. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. So you're out there and you're, when you're the skipper, not only do you have the responsibility of taking care of yourself, you have the responsibility of making sure the passage is safe and the boat stays floating. And then you also have the responsibility of making sure the people on board are safe. Like if anything, that's top priority is crew, whoever else is on board, they, you have to keep them safe. Like as skipper, you are responsible for everything that happens on the boat, no matter what happens, no matter who does it, because you're in charge. That's how it works. It's in a hierarchy of command responsibility always falls to the top or rises to the top, whatever it goes to the top. And it doesn't matter if one of my crew messes up, it's my fault because I didn't train them properly or I didn't instruct them properly what to do in that situation. And so in, in that vein, it's like, it forces you into that role, which is sometimes a really scary role to be in of like, holy shit, if something goes wrong, it's on me. But then also it's really exciting because it's like, if everything goes right, it's all, it's on me. And then also if something goes wrong and then we figure it out and solve it, it's like, that, that was me. You know, it, mm -hmm. it really puts that right in the forefront of your existence, I guess. And so to some degree, I think being a man is like really simple. It's like you don't give up and you take responsibility for yourself and as much as you possibly can. And then you just try to move through, move through the world in an honest way and try to create value. And it's like, if, if that's what you focus on, how do I create value? How do I make sure I'm staying honest? And how do I not shirk responsibility? You know, like <laughs> sometimes I try to think of it almost in like a greedy way of like, no, 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 it's not your fault. It's my fault. Like, I get the responsibility. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> it's my fault. I, like even if it's uh -huh. a problem, like there, there's some sort of way you gotta look at it that it's like you know high risk, high reward type of situation, and that's different for different people. And I'm not saying in order to be a man you have to captain a boat or be a skipper of a boat or anything like that. Like everybody's got their own path. 
but the fundamental of being a man is that you do not shirk responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I love that, man. I love that. Bringing, bringing that full circle. It made me think immediately when you said that of my, of my childhood and how my early impressions of doing something that was wrong or not accepted by my parents or whoever was authority around me made me feel bad and made me feel like I needed to do something to to get myself back in, in, in order, back in alignment. So that idea of responsibility, if I did something bad and there was an opportunity for me to shirk the responsibility, like you said, and save myself of the of the shame, of the hurt, of, of just owning it, then that's what I would do. Right. And I think that 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 system, that model of parenting of, you know, telling kids that they're wrong for, for doing something, it, it almost discourages taking responsibility and ownership for things. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've been doing that with my son a lot where I can already see at, at four and a half, he knows what he, what he should and shouldn't do most of the time. Mm-hmm. And he knows that if he does something that we don't like, he don't want to take responsibility for it because he doesn't want to get, he doesn't want to feel less than for it. So we've, my wife and I've really had to work on letting him know, Hey, listen, we don't, we don't like when you do that. But what we appreciate even more is when you're when you're honest about it, mm-hmm. and when you can express what's going on. Because to me, that's that path directly forward into what you said of being able to grow up and take responsibility for things. Because mm-hmm. the failures, the mistakes, the missteps those are, those are inevitable. Those are going to happen. But not being able to take responsibility for it to me is the bigger setback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard question. How do you train that into kids? Like, how, how do you set up the structure so that it promotes, you know, being taking responsibility for yourself? It's a hard one. I mean, the I learned this explicitly from Jordan Peterson, but, you know, it's one of those things that we all know that the, the responsibility is what gives meaning to life. Like, if you don't have responsibility, you end up in nihilism. Nihilism is not fun. I've been there. It's not fun. <laughs> and yeah. so, and it's, it, it's the responsibility that gives you that meaning in life, but it's also what, you know, everything's got trade-offs. And so the trade-off to taking responsibility is that, yeah, it's actually important and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a big deal and it's difficult. And yeah. And if, if things go wrong, you got to own it, which is hard, yeah. but the other option is not a great one at all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, man. But, you know, before we started recording, you, we were, you and I were chatting a little bit and we talked about rites of passage. And obviously on the podcast here, we talk a lot about specific types of rites of passage, ceremonial rites of passage, more closer to some of the traditional tribal and indigenous ways. And But I was also ex- expressing that I very much see you as being in the midst of or in the throes of a, of a rite of passage yourself, having ventured out into the world on your own and given yourself all of these obstacles and, and challenges to see what you're made of and to test your metal. So yeah. uh, I just wanted to see what you had to say about that, about have you even, have you seen it as a rite of passage yeah, so far? I don't know when it was that I came across the whole concept of rite of passage, but I, I don't know if I learned what I'm about to say before, or after I started traveling, but I, I learned about uh, tribes in the Amazon and they have, crazy rites of passage in the, in the Amazon with the bowl dance. I'm sure you know about the bowl mm-hmm. dance clubs. Yep. That is so crazy. But I mean, you put a man through that 20 times and they're a different person at the end of it. And and so it's like the more extreme the rite of passage, the more significant the transformation, I think. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've noticed that 
there's we don't have anything lined up in America as a rite of passage. Nothing. It's like maybe university, but university is not a rite of passage. It's like a party. From what I understand, I haven't partook in university, but from what I understand, it does not seem like a rite of passage. And and so it was like, but I, I think that's really important because you see people in America all the time that are, you know, 40, 50 years old. And you're like, oh, they're, they're basically still a boy. They're, they are not taking responsibility. They're, you know, their wife is like taking care of them. And it's like their wife is basically their mother. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's not right. Like they're throwing tantrums. They can't keep their emotions in check, all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, why is that? It's like, well, part of that reason is probably because we don't have rites of passage put in place. And so I don't know if it was when I started traveling that I like came up with this idea of like, I, well, okay, we don't have it in America. We just don't have it in place. So I got to build my own to some degree. And then it was basically just like, what are the hardest things that I can do that I actually want to do? And that I like, yeah, it's like, what are the biggest dreams that I can think of that are really difficult? Because what a rite rite of passage is, basically, it's just doing something really hard and Mm -hmm. getting through it. Then, yeah, it was how can I construct that in in my own life? And because, yeah, going from boyhood to manhood, I mean, nobody's really going to do it if it's just... You know, like one one day to the next, nothing in life changes. But now I'm a man. I'm going to take responsibility for everything. But I still have the option <laughs> that my mom's here and all this kind of stuff. It's like, you know, in order to like really become a man, you got to like force it onto yourself. And people do that in all sorts of different ways, whether that's getting married and having kids, whether that's, you know, accepting a position in a job, whether that's traveling, whether that's whatever. People force themselves into that position of responsibility. But w- without that forcing, it's almost like we would, we would never do it right right and that's and i think that's the big problem is that so many of those safety blankets are very much in play for the majority you know obviously we're talking about our both of our experiences growing up here in america but i think it's i think it's a lot of the western world not all of it but a lot of it where there's that safety and even into europe i talked to a lot of guys in europe as well there there is always that option of, of going home to mom and dad Right. And, and, and getting, you know, there's not that opportunity to burn the boats and say, I've got to figure it out in this direction because behind me, there's no going back. And I think that a lot of parents that I, I see a lot of parents failing to do that with their children. And if even just psychologically, if you know that there's that, that lifeboat right behind you, why would you ever jump into the water and try to swim? Of course. Well, and that was something that I another commitment that I made to myself it was just a decision. When I, when I left the South America, I told myself I was never moving back in with my parents. It, it, to me, it was like burned. It's not happening again. And mm-hmm. so then it's just about like, you have to be able to live your life in a way that you actually take yourself seriously and take what you say seriously. And, and you have to figure out how to make decisions in a way that works for you, that you're actually going to like do. It's like decision made, done, final, over. doesn't matter what happens, not happening. And I don't know exactly how you develop that in people, but for me, it was just like there, there's been multiple different decisions that I've made that it's not a question anymore. It moving in with my parents is not a question anymore. It's like, like at one point when I had my van, I lived in my dad's house for one month while I was converting the van. But it was like, I did, 
I was, I didn't move my stuff into the, like, I didn't set up shop. Now they was like, I'm working on the van 12 hours a day. And then I'm getting out of here as soon as I can. It was like, I'm not living here. I'm just staying here and using your tools because I don't have any tools. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I don't know exactly how that works, but you gotta, you gotta make decisions. I think that's another thing that makes a man is like you make a decision and then it's final. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm thinking about it too. Cause I, I did go to, to college and I, I went all the way through graduate school and I'm glad that I did. Cause that was part of my journey. And I think, I don't think that college altogether has to be thrown out the window, but it didn't give me everything that I needed to really get my life going in the direction I want. I didn't go to college and learn how to become a podcaster and how to right. take guys out into the wilderness for rites of passage. Right. That, that was what life gave me afterwards. But just looking at the model of university and college, I think it's designed to do what you described of taking that step out the door and never coming back. In fact, I think that my parents' generation of going to college, that's pretty much what it was, was, mm-hmm. okay, you're off to college. That was the, that, that was when, you know, mom and dad kicked back and said, woohoo, he's out, he's yeah. gone. But now the model is such that you go to college, you get a skill set, and what is it, like 66% of the time, you don't get a job or anything. So you have to come back. Because now you're saddled with all with with, yeah exactly because you're saddled with all of this debt and not having not not, your your primary exit route was blocked off right so so yeah I mean that's and that's a whole other conversation just the social construct but taking it all the way back to the beginning of your description of the difference between a boy and a man even in those circumstances where let's say you went to college and you got a degree that means nothing to you now and it's not doing anything for you in the world quitting still isn't an option. And you still get to take responsibility for where you're at in your life. And I mean, there are so many people who have so many more resources and abilities than they give themselves credit for. Like, like you said, I think you said in your video, you went down to South America with a thousand bucks to your name and you figured out your life for the next, what, four years. Yeah. That's, That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I had credit as well. I mean, I cannot tell my story without credit because for me, credit has been super helpful Mm -hmm. and really valuable. And not suggesting people go into debt. I'm not suggesting people take on credit, but for me, it's been super helpful. And if you know the risks and you understand what happens if you use it irresponsibly and you're willing to accept those risks, then credit is insanely helpful because the hardest part about building anything is like startup capital. Like how do you, how do you fund it? And so you either like almost everything, you know, whether it's a house or a job or a business or anything, like you got to borrow money from somebody somewhere. And so whether that's a family member, whether that's the bank or anything like that, even with education, like I don't want it to come off like I'm some sort of university hater. I, it's just, I get it, it. It's not, it's like you said, it's not, it doesn't work like it used to work. And part of that, I think it's just because it's like mandate, pretty much mandatory that people go through university and then yeah, the whole debt thing is a whole other complete scam but with the yeah it's like you, you got to figure it out but for me something else is like you know assess assess the risks that's something else I, I don't think they teach necessarily it's like okay if you were to go to through university what are the risks what are the benefits what are the risks like are you do you understand what the risk is of you taking on this sixty thousand dollars in debt that's never, from my understanding, that is not explained to people. But for whatever reason, me, I was like, that's crazy. Like 60 grand in debt? No. Like, no, that's not mm-hmm. happening. That's crazy. But for some people, it makes sense. And then other people, they just do it because that's what culture says to do. And they don't 
nobody explains to them what that means. And, and then they're stuck with it. And, and so it's like part of being a man or just an adult is being able to assess the situation, understand the risks, and then decide whether or not you want to move forward and deal with the consequences. And then you deal with the consequences, whatever that is. Yeah. But you got to allow <laughs> people to right do there. that. I don't think you could package it any better than that, man. That, <laughs> what you just what you just said that that is that is it in a nutshell, because uh, and and exactly the problem is that we're not prepared to do most of those things. You know, I, I try to put myself back in that position. I I just I only ever thought that college was the thing to do. I never even no one even asked me what if what would you do if not college it wasn't it wasn't an option that was brought into my perspective and that's just my story i know everyone has different ones but i think that's that's something that's another place where we're really failing is we're not learning how to assess all of the options that are available before we make these decisions and and then making powerful decisions and learning to deal with the consequences i mean each one of those things is a huge topic that we could discuss but (laughs) we're starting to run run out of time and i like actually just leaving it off on that because that's like i said that's that's that that encapsulates so much of what most guys are not prepared to do when we get the impulse to leave Mm -hmm. and maybe you learn that by being out in the world on a boat traveling from country to country or maybe you learn that by going to college or and going out into the job hunt and and failing and succeeding and having all those experiences whatever it is the roots of it are exactly what you described figuring out how to position yourself to take full responsibility for everything yeah man thanks for bringing that reflection from your journey i I got a few questions to ask you before we sign off lightning lightning round style you ready for it yeah then can i ask you a question as well yeah why don't you hit me with a question first unless you want to ask you like who are some of the people that you look up to like alive people that are still alive and and people that are dead that you look up to oh cool well the first person that comes to mind is bruce lee Uh, just for purely for his discipline and his innovation and also just his how well-rounded he was everyone thinks of him as the greatest martial artist of all time but he was also a tremendous thinker and philosopher Mm. other people i admire there's a guy close to me in my life his name's john somerville he's just especially at this point in my life he is that model of of masculinity that i strive to be just really keeping things simple and being solution oriented yeah, and, and also my father. I, I have a good relationship with my dad, and he's been in my life. I'm fortunate to have had that. He, he taught me a lot about work ethic and being a provider for my family and being completely devoted regardless of my circumstances in life. And it's, it's nice to have been able to take examples and bits and pieces from different men as I, yeah. as I go along. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Let me start it off by turning that question back around on you. What about you? Who are your greatest influences? I mean, like the, the ones that are alive are some... I mean, now relatively standard ones of like, obviously Joe Rogan and then Elon Musk, for sure. Like mad respect to Elon Musk, South, South African immigrant to the U S and now billionaire. It's like in the amount of projects he's working on that are almost all focused on improving the world in some way. Like when I listen to him, it's like, he pretty much, it comes across to me. It's like, he's only trying to add value and trying to solve problems mm-hmm. and yeah, mm-hmm. just mad respect to him. And then also like somebody that has a, a very large influence in my life is like Jordan Peterson. And then, then this, there's a few builders and artists that I look up to this guy named Eddie Landis. Dude, he's a cool guy. He built his own sailboat. He built his own concrete sailboat and it took him a decade and he built everything on this sailboat, man. Like all the metal fastening fastenings, he, he welded them and he made 
everything on this boat. Mad respect wow. to Eddie Landis. He's a really cool guy. He built his own house. He built all of his easels that he, you know, that he paints on, built his own boat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that guy looked up to a lot. And then also like this other guy, Sunray Kelly, who is another builder. And he just builds these crazy buildings. They're like all curvy and just way different than, you know, they look like they're coming out of fairy tales and stuff. They they do not look like they do not look like anything conventional that you've ever seen in a city. <laughs> and then his ability to garden as well. And his whole ethos of like how he takes into consideration the building and then the environment that it's in and then gardening and the earth is a garden planet and that it's happy when you treat it like a garden planet. And our goal is to steward it and like be good gardeners, which is basically a Christian philosophy, but you don't see people practicing it. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, man. Very cool. All right. My turn. What's one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew back when you were 18? high school is bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, don't That's worry about one. that. Like I always feel bad for people that like peaked in high school and mm -hmm. like you see them on Facebook or something like that. And you're like, geez, whew, that's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember my mom telling me something like that. Like when you're in high school, it all seems like that's life. And she's like, you get out of it and you realize that's nothing. It's, it's nothing. But when you're in it, you're absorbed in it. And so, yeah, I don't know something like that oh, of like that's a that's a good one man is it's all made up man <laughs> yeah it is it's not definitely not as big as it seems i can't even i don't remember i barely remember anyone from high school now <laughs> yeah hardly. yeah yeah it's crazy okay and, and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man honesty honesty, honesty. beautiful man last but not least where would you like to send people to follow you to check out your your youtube channel what's the best place for people to find out what you're doing yeah um check out just go to youtube type in dylan mcgaster that'll pull up both the channels florb and dylan mcgaster the channel dylan mcgaster is all about adventure sailing philosophy travel things of that nature and then florp is short documentaries on alternative styles of living people that live in tiny houses people that live in vehicles people that live in domes earth homes things like that those are the two main places if you're into facebook you can do the same thing florp or dylan mcgaster on facebook and also dylan mcgaster on instagram but yeah the we just started the second channel channel. So we're trying to get that up and running and I'm really happy with how the videos are turning out. So definitely check out Dylan Gaster on YouTube. D Y L A N M A G A S T E R. Yes. Yes. Awesome, man. We'll make sure we put those links up in the show notes and, and definitely go check out the videos guys, because I, I did a little bit of research on what you were doing and, and, there's so many people that are doing adventure, doc, you know, documenting their lives and their their journeys in the world. But I really like the way that you do it, man, especially that video that you had posted right up in the front, uh, the one where you had yourself kind of, you're, you were recreating being in a psychiatrist's office oh, or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool, man. I, I dug how you did it, man. Very Thank entertaining and, and also very genuine. I appreciate that. It's very obvious in the work that you're doing, man. So keep up the great work. I look forward to tracking your journey. Do you know, do you know how much longer you want to be on the road for? Or on the sea? Well, at the moment, it's looking like I will be able to cross the Atlantic in the winter of 2021. 
So that'll put me back in the States in the summer of 2022. And then once I get back to the States, I've got some plans to stay in one place for a little bit and, and do some stuff. But yeah, right now that's, that's the plan. And then after that, more, more travels and expeditions, but that's the plan awesome. as of right now. Awesome, man. Well, uh, definitely keep us abreast of your journeys and yeah, Godspeed out there on the waters. And I hope you continue to have some amazing adventures and keep sharing that with the world. Thank you. I appreciate it. Godspeed to raising a beautiful family. And thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You got it, man. Thanks for being here. What a story, man. It was a treat chatting with Dylan and getting to see a different, uh, more alternative pathway to becoming the man and the challenges that he endured in his life and seeing how I could relate to them without ever having anything close to the experience that he had. So one more reminder that we're not unique. And I want to remind you, speaking of reminders, for you to take an opportunity to go to risingman.org and find a way to become a bigger part of the Rising Man movement. We've got our virtual men's fire circles. We've got inferno circles, which we're lighting it up with now, compass. So many opportunities for you guys to become a bigger part of the journey. So go check it out, risingman.org. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast. Drop those comments. Leave those shares behind for other men to find their way into the Rising Man circle. Check us out on Instagram, at Rising Man Movement, and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Big shout outs to my Rising Man Power team, Rowan, Sean, Julian, Ryan, and Mark. Man, you guys have really had my back lately. I really appreciate you guys. Much love. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.